What is up, sweet and supple strangers? <laughs> I never know what's going to come out of your mouth. I don't I either it. until I actually say it. Uh, welcome to the Strange Sessions. I am Kurt, and I am here with my lovely co-host, Krista. And? And her puppy dog, Lucy, is up at the top of the stairs whining because she's not down here with us. Because apparently she's dying. She is dying because <laughs> she's not down here with us. So she's up there crying and whining. So please ignore the peanut gallery if yeah, you hear It her. is not an EVP. It <laughs> no. is Lucy. <laughs> so oh how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Sore. <laughs> yeah, on the mend. Yeah. Let's talk about your situation here. I the last time we recorded, after we recorded, I went to West Bend for my friend Aaron and my geocaching life partner. I went there for his <laughs> son's birthday party, mm -hmm. and uh, I got there early. So we went out, and grabbed a couple geocaches, and we were out in like this wooded area looking for one. And I still don't really know what happened because I was standing on like this little hillside. And all of a sudden, it gave way. Oh, no. And my my ankle went down. And I don't know how it happened, but when my ankle went down, I, like, pitched face forward. And there was a really big, sharp boulder right in my way. And, like I said, it's kind of like a weird blur, but I could still see it all happening. That in slow motion. I went flying down at this jagged edge of the boulder. And I tucked my chin in. And the brim of this cap that I'm wearing, the same one I was wearing last time, the brim of the cap hit the the jagged edge and like pushed my head off to the side. And Aaron was behind me and he was freaking out because he thought I hit my head. Oh my God. And I got up and I started talking and I was slurring my words. So Aaron was sure that I hit my head. And he's like, dude, he's like, are you okay? And Are I you said, sure you didn't? I didn't. Aaron? No, I didn't. But why were you slurring? I, I, I'm like Aaron. I'm gonna pass out. Oh. And and he like got me back to the car. And I you left that part out. Yeah, I because I don't because it's kind of embarrassing. Was it just like the, the rush of adrenaline or, or you know we looked at that boulder and Aaron said if my head would have hit that the best case scenario would have been a concussion, mm. but we think it would have been a skull fracture or death because it was a jagged, like a sharp end of the boulder that my head, my forehead would have hit. And we said it probably would have jammed my glasses into my eye. Oh my God. So it was, it's one of those things that it's like, it could have been so much worse. Yeah. But after that happened, I was like, my foot was sore. My ankle was sore. And, you know, I stayed at the party for a little bit, had a couple of beers and uh that'll dull the pain that'll dull the pain went home and the next morning i tried walking on it i was like oh my god i can barely walk and i still cannot walk without yeah, a limp around yeah still so two weeks later. i don't know what i did to it but it is really really sore and, and i probably should have gone to the doctor uh -huh. at some point but typical i'm a guy, dude. <laughs> I'm a guy typical dude. don't like that i think the next day or that day i said are you gonna go to the doctor no no <laughs> I'd like to personally thank the Milwaukee Brewers. Yes, but <laughs> because they you saved your, oh, your next skull. time you're over here, feel the brim of this cap. Is it? It's super. Rock hard? It's super stiff, and I've always thought that was 
uh, weird that this one, I'm like, God, this one is so like stiff. And then this is the one that wow. deflected my head from smashing into That's the, crazy. but Aaron thought I hit it. And he's like, I can't believe I been you, terrified Aaron's too. like, I can't believe you didn't hit it. I and then when I little. started like slurring and I, I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm just, I'm like, everything started swimming in my Were vision. You dazed and confused? I was dazed Were and confused. Were you wearing that t-shirt? I was like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> or, oh no. Oh no, oh, no, no. Oh, no. But it, Aaron, we really think it could have been a possible death mm. if my head would have smashed into that wow <laughs> that just you know so now it's like is it like a final destination thing where i was supposed to die and i, I didn't and now you're gonna have a whole bunch of near misses <laughs> so yeah so i'm limping around a couple of the strangers that I, i'm i talked to know about this so when you sent me a picture and i sent you a picture of my ankle and <laughs> no it was not good all shades of purple and blue all shades and bruised and so swollen. it's yeah not not good, but it could have been. I still think you could go to the doctor, but you're a dude, so what's we'll the answer? See. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. So, yeah, so well, that's I'm that. I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. I am too. Everyone I, knows I, just, I can't do this without you. <laughs> <laughs> I just have to remember this could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Like, and also, I, I love you. I wouldn't want to. Well, I love you too. I love you too. You're still you're singing about the podcast. I see how it is. Um, give shout outs to our new stranger. We only had only one, one person. Dang. I have a shout out too, though. So. so it is to my good friend, Brooke Van Patten, who has listened for quite a while, but she never joined the strangers. And now she did. And that is the only stranger we got. So Krista and I are probably folding this all yeah, up. and we're, we're throwing just, in the towel. We're throwing in the towel. <laughs> it's, it's done. It was a good um, ride. I want to give a shout out to my coworker, Megan. Who, Hi, Megan. She um, listened to her first episode because I, I went, I traveled for business to our a location that uh, one of our facilities in Southern Illinois this week and she works there and uh, she said she gave it a listen. She said we have great chemistry. So awesome. A lot of people I that say was that. That's such a good compliment. Yeah. That so is. Hey, Megan. Well, we, have, we also got a super sweet email, but I think I'm going to read that at the end of the episode okay. because our, our titillating so 20s have been turning into a thirsty 30. Or throbbing 30. <laughs> no, thirsty. <laughs> okay, we'll do a thirsty. <laughs> um, <laughs> do we have any housekeeping? I do want to say that this, uh, the next episode will be our last one yeah. for the season. Yeah, not forever. Not forever, but for the season, mm-hmm. it'll be our missing four one one episode. Our last, oh, our our last official missing four one one episode because starting next season, we're gonna do mini missing four one one episodes where Krista and I each talk about a missing four one one case. Yeah. Because it, most people find our podcast because of missing four one one, so we can't not gotta keep do that it. Bait out there. We got to keep that out there. <laughs> so we're going to be doing more mini missing four one one episodes. You know, I just side note. I glanced at is that from Duncan? Yeah. So you went to Aaron's after we recorded. Jim and I yeah. actually went up north, and we had to stop in Manitowoc to pick up a gift card oh, for my brother. Yeah. We drove right by the new Duncan, yep. and there was a line of cars yeah. waiting to get in yep. there. Yeah, but like, wow. this early in the morning, there's nobody there. Like, I love their breakfast sandwiches, but there's something disconcerting about the egg texture. It's like mm. super, like, fluffy. And I don't know if Do I like Do you think they're, it. like, pre-made and they microwave I'm them? I'm guessing so. Yeah. But I, I, I just realized that I am a eggs. breakfast sausage patty addict. Like, I oh, can't not get something without a mm-hmm. sausage patty. Yeah, agreed. But they had the snack and bacon, so I got that. It's just eating like a side of bacon, of sugared bacon. Mm. So if it ain't the rock I mean, that's going to kill me, delicious. it's going to be a heart attack. Yeah. Well, you'll die happy, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Uh, if I would have died geocaching, that would have been kind of okay. You know. I don't want to talk about not that. Not messy on a rock in the woods. Yeah, but, no. But hey, I'm okay. 
or did I die? And this is a parallel universe. You oh, never know. We're going to talk about know. that a little bit today. Oh, yeah, we are, aren't mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, uh, should we do tarot? Yeah. Okay. Kurt gave me um, a set of rune cards and a book to go with it. And I know nothing about this. So I'll be reading up on it. Brush up on it. Not that I know a whole lot about tarot either. (laughs) Yeah, but you're really good at tarot. (laughs) Well, I'm not saying I'm good at it. I just think it's accurate. I'm still learning the cards. I mean, that's a process to really get. And I have a, (laughs) this is kind of opposite of who I am, but I have an app on my other phone (laughs) that you can look up the definition. And I think that's a good thing to cross-reference other um, references, cross-reference other references (laughs) to get the meanings of these cards because this is really specific. Yeah, yeah. But they can have more than one meaning. So, Why is that not like you to have apps? Yeah, I'm just like not a techie person who uses apps. I have like literally 10 pages of apps on my my phone. I have... Oh, wow. <laughs> and I probably could delete half of them. Um, I think I know what I want to ask. Why was Kurt not seriously injured? Yeah. Two okay. Ask ago? that. What I think it's like, what is Kurt's purpose? Like, why was he spared two weeks? I don't ago? know if I have a purpose. Oh my gosh. Yes, you do. This is a purpose. True. We get enough emails from people, and one as maybe that's one of the emails you were going to read, but how somebody said, or maybe yeah. we read it already. Yeah, okay. no, this is the one about the flying. Yes. Yeah, so that's the one I'm going to read at the end from Michelle Brown, and it was so I'll sweet. I'll just say we get enough emails from people saying that we have helped them through difficult yeah. times. Yes, and we're going to gonna bring that up with this. Yeah. Like, every now and then we get that, an email like this one that all of a sudden it's like, wow. What we do does kind of matter. This isn't you know? just entertainment to everybody. Some For some people, it helps. We keep them company during yeah. difficult times, and that's like, interesting. Death? So, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Did I already have this one? I think you have. Oops, sorry. I think you have, and it's a good card. I'll let you read it, though. Okay. Three of cups with the three birdies on the tree. So this is why you weren't seriously injured wow. two weeks ago. Maybe I didn't do this one, but this is a good card. The Three of Cups is a lovely card. It foresees you in the company of amazing friends, creating memories together that you'll forever hold dear. These are not any old friends. They are people with whom you feel a rare connection. And I feel like that with you. Mm -hmm. With them, you feel truly yourself. Enjoy each minute of their company. This card can also indicate an upcoming celebration. Love abounds. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is for the podcast. Well, or just because your friends love you and need you in their lives. Maybe. (laughs) well as one of your friends i'm telling you that that's the case that is a really sweet card (laughs) see that was very appropriate that was very appropriate okay i was worried it was gonna be something really dark but there are that's weird because there are ones in there that no but there are ones in there that are kind of like negative cards totally and and we've been never really no we've been really good with these so i'm glad i'm still okay me too I don't, I don't, like I said, I don't often think about the fact that it could have been serious. Right. I'm just whiny about my ankle and not being able to walk. Well, that would And then that suck. week I had to do stuff for school. So I was in school every day. So I like hoofed up the stairs. Yeah. So it sucks. Like I take walking for granted. Right. <laughs> when you can't do it. That's true though. So, okay. So are we opening this package? Let's open the... Do you think there's a taste test in here? Yes, because okay. I believe these are the ones that were sent from David because David... Is he the one who sent the good and plenty? He's plenties? the one that sent the good and plenties. Thanks. David Lamarco. David. Yep, David Lamarco. <laughs> so 
So I'm hoping I, if it, if I if it is what I believe it is, I'm excited because I have always wanted to try it. Okay. Oh, so he gave you he gave you a heads up. Yep. Okay. Thank you, David, for this stuff. You didn't even <coughs> didn't even need my multi tool. Nope. Don't need your stinking multi tool. <laughs> Just tear. <laughs> wow. <laughs> she she made she made the Bigfoot growler go off. Let me see. Let me see. Well, there's a couple things in here. I don't know what we're supposed to do. Let me see. Okay. So, Ooh. here's a big oh, container of Mary Jane's. Awesome. Not Mary Jane. It's Mary Jane. Mary Jane's. Jane's. <laughs> yeah, yes. we didn't. Oh, interesting. I don't know what that's all about. Something is tightly bubble wrapped. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he, uh, okay, what? It's not more good is, in plenty. Is that is what's it? in there? That's, yep, that's okay, what's in there. Okay, the beverage that i'm thinking of we will do next time okay is it in another box yes <laughs> okay it's in another box i'm excited because you know what these are i can't see it neko no. wafers oh yeah, yeah because Did we, we talk talked about, about this, yeah the like Halloween these candy? these like the good and plenty the neko wafers and the mary janes were all on the least favorite oh i love this people pay attention they do thank That's you so much nice. david i have not had mary janes so i am interested to try those yeah, they look like there's some kind of... Che- Did you just open this, curtain? No, but I tore oh. the end off. Okay. Wow. That's... Oh, I see. Wow. That's a lot of them. Here, I'm going to take a picture. And then other people, like, in our face, in the strangers, were like, they love Necco These wafers. These are kind of cool. The, the wrappers are kind of cool. And we also have another one to open, too. Okay. So we have... A, we're actually going to have a lot of candy today. So we'll try those. We'll try this. Okay. All right. Should we just open one of these? Yeah. While we... <laughs> We we need like a candy storage shelf. <laughs> we do. Okay. I'm gonna remember to talk into the microphone this time because I think I was too quiet last time. She was a little quiet last. Although time. Tom uh, Napier said that when I laugh, it didn't echo throughout the neighborhood, so that was a <laughs> apparently good. I, I laugh loudly. I'm okay with that. I get a lot of joy out of life. No, I've had Necco wafers, but not for a while. I like their pastel colors. They're very pastel. I'm going to grab a green and a purple. Whoa. They taste like f- lightly flavored chalk. <laughs> they look like <laughs> chalk. They look like a big fat thing of chalk that's ready? been sliced into tiny pieces. Ready? Okay, I'm ready. Oh, very crunchy. Hmm. Oh, yeah, they're, they're subtle. They're not like super sweet. They remind me of like a... Sp- Sweet, what are those called? Sweet, Sweet. Uh, 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 what are those called? Smarties, <laughs> Smarties like a Smarties. Thank you, Smarties. Wow, <laughs> it's like really loud. Mm, yeah, that's, that's Necco oh, wafers. That one tasted like licorice. I yeah. didn't know they had different flavors. Yeah, they do. You got me again, David. <laughs> Actually, it's not bad. No, I like Neko. I like these more than I thought I did. Well, even the licorice one doesn't make me want to gag. Which so. is good because he sent us a bunch of them. So we're going <laughs> to yeah, have we Neko have wafers. One, two, three, four, five of these little sleeves there, full of Neko we, wafers. And you, Kurt you, has You had one. your first Neko wafer. I did. I can't believe I've never had that. And now Mary Jane? Yeah, we'll have a Mary Jane. I'm guessing this is going to be like a bit of honey. Oh, and I like bit of honeys. Yep, they look chewy. Let me take a little picture. I love this. Trying all these new things like this, mm-hmm. I have never tried. This is fun. Ooh. Hold on. That's harder than I expected. I d- <laughs> Shush. <laughs> I'm still trying to take a picture. Wow, that is... Mary Jane. Mary Jane. Wow, it's like chewing on a branch. 
It really is. Oh, it reminds me of like, sort of like a Tootsie Roll, looks looks wise. You almost have to suck on it till it oh gets my soft. God. Yeah, it's like you're <laughs> gonna leave that alone. <laughs> um, hmm. It does have the same kind of flavor it's as a bit good. of honey. It's though. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you get into it, it reminds me of those peanut butter things yes. we talked about too. Yeah. Wow, this is a get yeah, stuck but it's in your more, teeth it's kind more of candy. It's more like honey ish. Mm-hmm. Than those peanut butter kisses. This is good. Mm-hmm. I like these. It's like a cross between a bit of honey and a peanut and butter cuss. Peanut butter thing. Hmm. Yeah. Once you soften it up, it's good. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm gonna be picking this out of my teeth for like an hour though. Thank you so much, mm. David. That is good. That is really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> these will be. We're gonna have lots of candy down here for us. Yep. Those I are like really those. good. <laughs> okay. So those are those are both on the despised candies mm-hmm. list, and they're both pretty good. Like Necco wafers, I was in about, but I forgot that they're really not that bad. Yeah, they're not bad. For someone who doesn't really like candy, candy, these were good. And now, Ooh. this was. I see the word fine chocolates. Yep, this was sent words. by my dear friend Jennifer, who listens to the podcast, Very and exciting. she. And now I need your tool. Wow. <laughs> Just never stops. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, can you open it for you? Mm-hmm. I'll stab myself if I try doing that. Side note, stabbing yourselves. We have this insurance plan at work that if you get like a physical every year, you get a pretty big discount on your insurance premiums. Well, because of COVID, they gave us this option to do it at home. We had to stab yourself. I couldn't do it. Jim no, had to do it for I, me. I wouldn't be able to do it either. Baby. I don't know if you need that for any reason, but thank you so much for this, Jen. Ooh, and we got a book of like, hey, look at all the stuff we look have. Look at all the chocolates. I'm so excited about this. Connoisseur collection. Oh, there's the card on it. It's probably just like a little business card. This hey? is cute. No, it this is a cute little card. She must have. She must have sent this, and it says, "I'll let you read it." Okay. Thank you so much for this, Jen. A pile of boxes here. You are amazingly awesome. The strange sessions. Hope you enjoy this chocolate as much as I enjoy the podcast. Aw, I gotta take a picture of that. Thank you that is so much. So sweet. And I love chocolate. <laughs> I'm irrationally excited about this. We're going to be all sugar buzzed again. <laughs> She's going to come home and we're going to be talking like really, really fast. <laughs> like bouncing off the walls. Okay. He's grocery shopping. Just so everyone She knows said, uh, Jen told me to be careful and see what's in them before I eat one. She said she'd feel oh, horrible nuts. if I died from Yeah. <laughs> from okay. So there pecan. must be like a little. Okay. Here's a chocolate guide. Ooh. Like I can't wait to see these. They're always so Ooh, pretty. There is a too. macadamia hazelnut. That is all you. Okay, good. I can't. Oh, oh, there's a key lime oh, pecan one. I can't eat that so either. So pretty. Come on. People make things look so good. Oh, I want. Yeah, I'm gonna have to be careful because there is deluxe nut, which has mixed nuts. There is. Does it have a picture or tell you what yes, spot it's but in? But I want to try. Oh. Well, yeah. There's, oh, this must be the connoisseur. Yeah, the look connoisseur. at the connoisseur one. Yeah, make sure you're looking at the right reference. <laughs> there is a fire department just a couple blocks away. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just we're so get, you know, EpiPen. If maybe, we call nine one one, maybe next the season somebody send me an EpiPen. <laughs> All right, I can't have some of this, but I believe <gasps> they're so pretty. I believe I think if I'm remembering right, she said her favorite one was the rosemary citrus. 
Can you handle rosemary, Kurt? Because uh, we just I, had I, that a couple weeks ago. Oh, did it. But what I want to try is the one up in the corner with the, the sprinkles. Because this? that is raspberry balsamic. Oh, okay. Well, we are could, there We two? could try. Maybe just take a bite and then give it to me. Because there's two of everything except the one in the minter. Minter. Hell, <laughs> <laughs> it's a minter. <laughs> Middle. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this one, you're positive that this one is raspberry something, that you can have it? Yeah, it should be. Okay. I'm, oh, look how pretty that is. That is so pretty. Jen, thank you so much. Seriously. Okay, what are the other flavors? Um, Are we going to try it or are we going to just divvy up the flavors? Should we do one yeah. every episode or something? What do you, how do you want to do this? Well, we only have a couple episodes left, so let's do... It's so pretty. I'm obsessed with how pretty these are. Let's I'm so nervous about you like having some kind of reaction. No, this is 100% red. But the one with the white stripes. This? Yeah, is okay. there like sea salt? Does it look like there's sea salt on top? Yeah. That is the rosemary citrus. So let's okay. try that too okay. because that is her favorite. So let's try that first. Okay. I think that's her favorite. I think I remember her telling me that. What's the the one? One's got a f- like a f- shell on it. So that's the shell chai. one is Ooh, chai. Let's let's good. do those three, okay. and then let's save some for okay. next episode. And this last one, if you can have it, I could always cut it in half. Okay, ready? Which one do you want to try first? Let's try her favorite first. This the, her favorite is the one with. Do any of these have something you can't have? Not these ones. Okay, I'm just nervous. This one, we're gonna try it. Yep. Okay. Ready? Oh. Mm. Oh. Oh wow. <gasps> wow it's really citrusy that is a really good mm. though oh my god i love the te- like the texture of these oh my god yeah that chocolate is so good it's dark chocolate that is seriously yeah that's amazing one of the best chocolates i've ever had mm. Mm-hmm. wow the combination of citrus and chocolate is so classic Mm. There's not a lot of rosemary. There's a no, little bit. No, I'm not bit. picking up on the rosemary as much, but the citrus is. That oh, was, I get it a little bit. That one was a ten out of ten like because that flavor. was amazingly yeah, that good. That is amazing. I'm giving that a ten too. Oh my god. It's the the chocolate's really thin. Yeah. Mm. No. I need a palate cleanser, <laughs> also known <laughs> as water. Yeah, I better have a sip of coffee. Which, by the way, coffee and chocolate, amazing combo. Which one do you, do you want to do? Chai next or the balsamic? <clears throat> the is this raspberry balsamic? Yes. Let's do that. Okay. Oh. Mm. That mm-hmm. is really good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Mm. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> it's like almost got like raspberry jam in the middle. I would not. It's a different texture. Than I the would last not think one. that balsamic vinegar and raspberry and chocolate mm. would be good, but it is really mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. Oh my lord! And that's white chocolate. <sighs> that is amazing. Wow! Another ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. Chocolate's really smooth too. Yeah. And now we'll try and the I'll chai. Try. Yep. I don't know why I keep smelling them. They don't really smell like anything. Oh, I can smell. I can totally smell chai, like chai tea smell. Okay, ready? Yep. Mm, that's my favorite. <laughs> mm. Oh my god! Mm. That's all I can do is like <laughs> grunt. 
Mm, that was so good. I love chai. I usually don't. I'm usually not, mm, but I this was another 10 out of I 10. Love All the spices. Three of those were 10 out of oh, 10. The texture is so good. That was amazing. Oh my God. Dang. Just ruined my appetite for the whole day. Oh my God. Those were perfect. Wow. I see, because she has talked about these in the past with me, that this is like one of her weaknesses, and she orders this a lot, and I see why. Amazing. Jen, I love you. Thank you. Yeah, that was, wow. We're, there's more in there. We're going to save some for next time. I love if this. If Krista can. <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll put them somewhere <laughs> where I won't see them. I love stuff like this because I would never buy this for myself, no. so I love that someone else would do this so that we could try oh, it. Oh, my Lord. It's so good. Okay, I'm going to put this back on here. Wow. That was amazing. So the last one, what is that? That white one? Well, there's two that are like, uh, I can't, I can't really find what, oh, salted cafe caramel. I bet that's what that is. These two. And then this white one is Valencia orange marzipan with orange <sighs> peel and apricots topped with a ginger slice. Oh my God. And the salted cafe caramel, which you had me at salted caramel, rich buttery <laughs> salted caramel with swirls of robust coffee. <laughs> Save this because yeah, they even were nice enough to send an order form that we could use to <laughs> buy some marketing. <clears throat> wow. Okay. That was amazing. Yeah. That's a great way to start the show, at least for us. Holy cow. <laughs> That, uh, okay. that might be the best taste test we've it's had. up there, for sure. Holy. For us to give 10 out of 10 for everything, although we tend to like stuff. So. Yeah. Except I'm the, more forgiving than you are, though. Except the gross stuff. <laughs> Even the good and plenties we liked. Um, 26 minutes. <sighs> okay. Well, you know. It is what it is. You can you could edit out some of the groaning, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I keep that for myself. Oh. <laughs> that's, Chris, that's why my Krista's groaning playlist. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that that would even exist is just so weird okay are you ready i'm ready here take your stabby knife back so i don't accidentally stab myself all right i always get nervous i'm not used to talking so much until we do a mini mystery god that was good Mm-hmm. should we um wash it down with some pickle candy <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm okay. good. I don't. I want to mm. savor this flavor. Savor the flavor, so to speak. Okay, our main topic for tonight. It's another my favorite mini mystery episode, or as I like to call it, Kurt feeling lazy and not wanting to do as much research, so he makes Chris to do some too. <laughs> so, uh, it, I'm. I love your topic, and you know nothing about my topic, right? Well, I know what it is, but I'm. I'm not familiar with it at all. So I'm excited to learn about it because a couple of people have commented on yep. the post and yep. it's a favorite of theirs. So, so jump right into yours. Krista will go first. Yep. Okay. My topic is something that was brought up on the Facebook page a few weeks ago and it's deja vu. I could have sworn we did that topic already. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to say that. You knew I was going to say but that. Up, <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. Um, so deja vu is French and it means already seen. A lot of people refer to it as a glitch in the matrix. As I was doing my uh, research, that's I kept seeing that phrase. <laughs> yep. So, Which is a cool phrase. Yeah, and it's going to hint at one of the theories for the phenomenon. It's commonly described as an eerie feeling that you have either been somewhere or have experienced something before. 
not just something or some experience or places familiar, but you have experienced the exact moment or sequence of events in the past. I myself has, have experienced it, and I'm pretty sure most people have experienced it at some point in their lives. I think I saw a figure during my research that said something like two-thirds of people have, have had yeah. it happen at least once. It's not something I've experienced frequently. I would estimate the last time it happened to me was maybe a few years ago. It's not something that happens often. It used to happen to me a lot when I was younger, but it happened to me a couple weeks ago. Really? Yeah. Yep. And and we'll we'll get to that, but oh, a couple I just got people <laughs> you got curted. <laughs> um but it's so for me it's not even something I can like put my finger on. Like I I just know I've experienced it, but I don't it's not like a specific thing that I can really zero in on and I think that's exactly how I describe the feeling. It's definitely kind of eerie, gives you like a feeling of maybe losing your equilibrium just a little bit for a moment because it's always really brief, but it's really visceral and overwhelming. It's super powerful when it happens. Yeah. At the same time, it's a memory that you can't quite place. You can't quite put your finger on when or where you've experienced whatever is happening in the moment before. For me, it's always been a super mundane moment, like walking down the street or driving down the road. It just, you get that feeling when you're going about your normal daily life. I don't recall it ever happening during like a really intense or pivotal moment or something scary. For me, it's always been really fleeting and really random. So I'm going to talk about a couple strangers. Um, Allison Brackner posted about Deja Vu on the strangers page on Facebook. And another stranger, April Adams Moses, said that this happened to her all the time, although it was less frequent now. And that's something I find yeah. a lot of people say. It does. Like it, it decreases with age, yes. which is weird because you think it would get more because you have had more life experiences that you maybe did something just like you're doing. Do you well, know what I'm saying? Yeah, exactly. And we'll get into this a little bit, but it's it, it says that people who are under a lot of stress tend to experience it more. And I feel like as you get older, you deal with more stresses in your life. Yeah. But she mentioned that when they bought their previous house, she would experience it three to four times a week, which is like a wow. lot if you ask me. That yeah. is a lot. Another stranger, Whitney Carpenter, said... She tends to experience it more in her dreams. She would dream something and then later live out like a five-second clip from her dream. And Allison said that this happens to her all the time. Although that almost feels like a, pre a precognitive dream, but a five-second clip of it is where the deja vu comes in. Yeah. So it's kind of like an interesting combination there. So Allison's post actually included an interesting theory. The only source I can quote from what she posted on Facebook was Seeking Witchcraft Podcast, as it looked like it was a post taken from their site. So this is the theory, quote, Believers in this theory, deja vu, claim that the human experience of deja vu can be explained by considering the unsettling feeling of having lived a moment before as a crossover with a parallel universe. This would mean that whatever you're doing while experiencing deja vu, a parallel version of you is doing it in a different universe simultaneously, therefore creating an alignment between the two universes, which is kind of crazy to That's think That's always about. been my favorite theory. Yeah. Well, I'm more boring and mundane than that, but we'll get to that. You're going to talk about parallel universes? Well, a little bit. No, not too much. Okay, because that, that's my favorite theory has always. Because I do believe in parallel universes. Aren't we? Aren't scientists like feel like they're really close to proving that I they exist? So. But and I think it explains a lot of things. Yeah, like it does. From EVPs to ghosts. It does. To deja vu to the mental possibly effect. psychic stuff. Yeah. Um, but I I've always liked the idea that parallel universes that the me in some nearby parallel universes. 
you know, because it's a parallel universe, so things are a little different. But when all the parallel me's that are near this me are all doing the same thing, it bleeds over and all of you all at once are like, wow, getting deja vu because so many of you in yeah. in this line of parallel universes are doing the same exact thing. That's such a crazy thing to think about. But I love parallel universes to explain the Mandela effect too because... Yeah. You know, things just go off on a slightly different line of like yep. what you know. What it's like happens. the slow, the slow. It's like the show <laughs> Sliders. Oh, did you ever watch Sliders? No, because no. one of the guys in there is like doing a, a physics experiment, and he ends up transporting a couple other people and himself to a parallel universe mm. where just something is different, and they're trying to get back to this original universe, and the only way they no, it's the original universe is because the gate squeaks outside their house. And and in one of the episodes, they get to this one that they swear God is just perfect and the gate doesn't squeak. Oh. So they know they're not at wow. their original one. But that that's very much like the parallel universe stuff. Yeah. That's cool. It sounds like a show I would have gotten into. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So in an article titled, Feel Like You've Been Here Before, It Might Be Deja Vu, on the Penn Medicine website, which is part of the University of Pennsylvania, says, quote, the sensation is more likely to happen to people who travel often and have college or advanced degrees. It can peak in young adulthood, but gradually go away with age. The common factor here being busy, tired, and a little bit stressed out. People who are exhausted or stressed tend to experience deja vu more. This is probably because fatigue and stress are connected with what likely causes most cases of deja vu, memory. Which makes me wonder if... And did I say this before, but when April was talking about it, about buying her previous house, that's a really stressful experience. Yeah. I mean, we just refinanced our house and, and I feel that like was that was stressful super stressful experience. and we didn't even have to like do anything. But uh, yeah, so it just kind of made me curious about that. Um, the Scientific American had a really interesting article on the phenomenon called Can Science Explain Deja Vu? And of course, this is where my favorite theories are, but <clears throat> Kurt's shaking his head at me. Nope. Quote, the very things that intrigue us about deja vu are the same things that make it hard to study. But scientists have tried using tricks like hypnosis and virtual reality. Scientists have tried to effectively recreate deja vu in the lab. In a 2006 study by Leeds Memory Group, researchers would first create a memory for patients under hypnosis. That memory was usually something simple like playing a game or looking at a printed word in a certain color. Then patients in the different groups were given a suggestion to either forget or remember the memory, which could later trigger the sense of deja vu when they encountered the gamer word. Other scientists have attempted to bring on deja vu using virtual reality. One study found that participants reported experiencing deja vu when moving through the virtual reality Sims video game when one scene was purposefully created to spatially map to another. For example, all the bushes in a virtual garden in like one area of the game were replaced with piles of trash in another area of the game so they were kind of identical everything was placed the same Just different and, objects and that would yes and yeah. that would sort of spark that feeling of deja vu these experiments have led scientists to suspect that deja vu is a memory phenomenon we encounter a situation that is similar to an actual memory <laughs> memory memory <laughs> okay i'm gonna say that over you can leave that in there, though. I'll leave it in. It was cute. We encounter a situation that is similar to an actual memory, but we can't fully recall that memory. So our brain recognizes the similarities between our current experience and the one in the past. We're left with a feeling of familiarity that we can't quite place. And this makes total sense to me. 
And kind of on a side note, I'm that person who has experienced sleep paralysis for decades. I've had more episodes of sleep paralysis than I could ever count, and each and every one is completely terrifying. However, I don't think there's anything even remotely paranormal about it. I don't either. For sleep paralysis, no. I think that maybe it can go inside with paranormal activity, or maybe it makes you more vulnerable, but I personally just have never felt it was paranormal, even though there's but, like a shadow figure the, standing next I was just going to say, like the old, the old hag thing is yeah. just so interesting that people from all different cultures all see this old hag. So there's something, I, I, I think that sleep paralysis is totally mm-hmm. scientific and explainable, but I don't understand where the old hag thing comes well, and in. Well, I wonder if people <laughs> were... That? that was a fruit fly or something. Oh, <laughs> you just did this weird <laughs> just, hand gesture at me. You were just like... Psh, <laughs> Shut up, Kurt. Talk to the hand. Talk to the hand. <laughs> no, I, I do wonder if people... Because it's really common to see shadow figures in, yeah. during sleep paralysis. And I wonder if that sort of morphed into this old hag who's sitting on your chest. Because yeah, but people who have never heard of the old hag have seen her. And it's weird yeah. that it's like this archetypal... I don't know. Like, I think sleep paralysis is scientific, totally. Mm-hmm. But the old hag thing, I think there might be something paranormal with that. Yeah, and that's why I think that there are probably certain cases where it there is some kind of paranormal tie-in. Yeah. So, anyway, this is just sort of my example of... A lot of people look at deja vu as this mystical sort of woo-woo thing. And I'm like, eh, science can explain it. It's just a thing happening in your brain. So the same article in Scientific American goes on to talk about a theory that I've heard in the past and one that I buy into. Quote, some say it's like a short in the circuits in our brain leading to long versus short-term memory. So that new incoming information goes straight to long-term memory instead of making a stop in the short-term memory bank. So... Essentially, it's like your brain stores what's happening in the moment as a long-term memory before you've even registered with your conscious mind that it's happening. So it feels like a memory when it actually, it's like your conscious mind is just catching up to something that happened a fraction of a second ago. To me, that explains it all. That makes so much sense. So I don't know. Kurt, Kurt's no, I'm, I'm not. I'm, all over I'm, that. <laughs> you like the parallel. I do. I and like, I'm not even I think, saying I don't believe in that. Yeah. I, I do. But, but I, I think the thing for me, and and I'm very much, how can you get, and this is just a rhetorical or like a ph- philosophical question, but as a, like a paranormal investigator, it's hard for me to get really excited about the paranormal explanation if I haven't ruled everything else out first, because there, I'm always going to say, yeah, but it could have been this. Yeah. And as, if I can rule out all the, yeah, but it could have been's, then I get really excited about the paranormal explanation. See, and the thing that's weird is that I get offended by some people writing stuff off as scientific explanations. Mm-hmm. You know, like like we haven't done this episode yet, but I'm thinking it's going to be next season, near-death experiences. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of scientific yeah. Pe- yeah. belief about but I just that, uh, that, in your brain that annoys firing. me. Like yeah. I want it to be. I want it to be real something too. real. Yeah. I don't want it to be like your neurons firing. But like, and it's the same <laughs> right. with deja vu. Like I get like I I bristle when somebody starts saying it's just purely scientific because mm-hmm. I don't think it is. I think it, but again, like sleep paralysis, I think it could be a little bit of both. Yeah, okay, I could I could accept that. Like maybe it's like a synchronicity almost yeah. if it happens, pay attention. Yeah. Like maybe yep. it's the world trying to say, well, stop and notice this moment yeah. because you need to pay attention to what's happening. 
So uh, the thing about near-death experiences, though, to me, that's so much more... I mean, that's a huge experience. People yeah. often leave their bodies and they're looking yeah. down on themselves. Yep. And I don't know how science could explain that. They do. We'll get into oh, that I next know. season. <laughs> I know. I've watched documentaries on it and I find myself frustrated too. To me, deja vu is hard because it's literally something that happens for like five seconds. Yeah. Five, ten seconds. And, so and how like do you, you said, it's, it's not like, I mean, it happens to me maybe once a year, a couple times a year yeah. now, but it's never like some big moment it's right. just like when i'm totally walking mundane. or just like you know i want to say picking up a book picking whatever, up a book or something yeah. and then it's just you know it's yeah so i don't know it is it's a very eerie and overwhelming yeah, feeling though it is and, Re- and regardless that's of how that's one is. of the reasons why i believe it is more paranormal i don't want to say like parallel universes are paranormal but i that's because of the feeling it gives me when it happens mm-hmm. it feels like it's important like when i mm-hmm. when a synchronicity happens and it i have this important. moment where i'm like this is a big moment mm-hmm. and i feel like that when i have a deja vu mm-hmm. so I, I just like but like you said i could totally understand it being both a scientific thing like maybe it does happen in your brain mm-hmm. but maybe you experiencing that somehow connects you with parallel universes for yeah. some weird reason. Maybe our brains are weird. insane. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so now to the next theory, which I thought would be your favorite theory, computer simulation theory. Oh, totally. I totally <laughs> think that too. I had a hard time finding a lot of credible art articles on this i mean there's tons of articles about computers about, us about being simulation, in a simulation theory but yeah. not a lot of them were tying it to yeah. deja vu i did find one article um but i did make a stop on reddit first because you can always find a little tidbit of something on reddit <laughs> you can find something on it yeah so this was posted by mr smeagolot two years ago and he deja vu proof we are living in a simulation that was the question have we been thought wait but the problem with this is that any weird thing can be proof that we're living in a simulation. Right. You know, yeah. ghost is proof that we're living in a simulation. Mandela effect. Mandela effect. Yeah. So it's just an easy go-to. It is. But I could understand it being a glitch in the in the computer system. Yeah, I could too. I don't like that theory. I, I, Mostly because it scares the bejesus why? out of me. I don't like the feeling that I'm not in control of my own life. You are. We're just in a simulation. I don't know. I don't like it. <laughs> you had to narrow your eyes and think about that for a second. I did. And you I still don't like it. it. It's it's hard for me to wrap my head around, I think. Um, okay, so this guy says, quote, have been having this thought over the past few weeks and thought I would share to get opinions. We all get deja vu. It freaks us all out and there's no real explanation. I know science claims that it's brain-related activity, but just for a minute, indulge me. What if deja vu is the simulation uploading the next part of our conscious life to continue the simulation? All simulations need inputs in order to carry on simulating. And what if these moments have, what if these moments we have are the next stage being uploaded to us? We get the feeling of being here before, but we can't have been. Also notice how when you have deja vu, you cannot change what happens. Maybe because that's what we have been programmed to do, question mark. Interested to hear thoughts on deja vu and simulation theory. On a personal level, this is him continuing, I get deja vu a lot to the point where I can recall 10 seconds or so of being here before and I have never once managed to change what I did next. It's a goal to try to just see what happens. I think that's a weird thing he's focusing on, changing what happens next. I mean... I mean, I don't know where he's going with that. It's such a fleeting feeling that there's no time to really do anything during it. Right. And 
I mean, we have free will. So what yeah. you do next is yep. up to you. So yep. I don't know what he's trying to change. But um, and in response to that, Devi 83 said, quote, it's just a circuit loop. Your waking consciousness does loops around the neural pathways in your brain. Sometimes a surge of brain activity will loop you around the same exact pathway, triggering the memory of something you just literally saw. And since you are looping around circles in your brain, sometimes it feels like you are remembering something you just saw for the first time. At least that's my theory. Which it's like the same yeah, theory I yeah. mentioned before. I did find an article on LinkedIn, which I consider pretty credible. We actually, our company uses LinkedIn for e-learning. So. I don't know. You could do articles on there. Yeah. So the article is called Deja Vu. Are we all actually living in virtual reality? Quote, there's a growing body of scientists who are questioning whether deja vu is something else much more powerful. These contrarians believe that deja vu is a brief glimpse into reality or more specific artificial reality. A brief glitch in a giant computer simulation, just like in the film The Matrix, which everybody references because it's like the only film that's really about this. Yeah. Uh, if there were more, I don't even know what they are. But so in effect, we have, quote, already seen what we are experiencing just in a previous simulation. Sounds crazy until you realize that super smart people like Elon Musk and a load of technologists and physicists are increasingly embracing simulation theory as the only rational explanation of our universe. The article mentions Ray Kurzweil. It's K-U-R-Z-W-E-I-L. Mm -hmm. Kurzweil. Yeah, I've heard his name. So I had to Google him, of course, which is ironic since he works for Google. <laughs> he predicted that computers would beat humans at chess and that one day cars would drive themselves. So he's pretty good at this stuff. Um, he's referred to as a futurist who developed the law of accelerating returns. In a nutshell, this law states that, quote, fundamental measures of information technology follow predictable and exponential trajectories, unquote. Business Insider, in an article titled Google's Genius Futurist, has one theory that he says will rule the future, and it's a little terrifying. Uh, it included a quote from Kurzweil which, in which he stated, quote, as exponential growth continues to accelerate into the first half of the 21st century, it will appear to explode into infinity, at least from the limited and linear perspective of contemporary humans, unquote. The singularity, a term and theory that Kurzweil is known for, is used to describe the era when artificial intelligence supplants human intelligence as the most capable processing power around. We're going to have next season, I want to do AI too, because okay. AI is... Super interesting creepy. and scary <laughs> and completely terrifying to put this in a slightly different perspective. I'm going to jump back to the article that was in LinkedIn quote Kurzweil who now works at Google has long predicted the singularity to occur by 2045. In effect, Kurzweil believes that non-biological computation will exceed the capacity of all living biological human intelligence. And in effect, we'll, we will become one with the internet living on in perpetuity Perpetuity? Perpetuity. Perpetuity, thank you. In artificial form. Yeah. Talk about terrifying. I don't even <laughs> I don't really know like how to wrap that. my head around that, I but like I know that. I don't like the sound of it. No, it's like a Borg. That's basically like being a Borg from Star Trek. I don't like it. I realize this has kind of gone off on a tangent about a little bit. singularity and simulation <laughs> but it's theory. fascinating. But the phrase glitch in the matrix yep. kind of makes a little bit more sense from a deja vu perspective, if you think about it. Yeah. So that's really, those are like the main theories that I found. Um I don't know. Kurt, what do you think? I think it's something cosmic like synchronicity. Yeah. You know, but it just doesn't make sense because if synchronicities are telling us to pay attention, mm -hmm. 
you think deja vu experiences would happen during something more meaningful than me just walking down a street. Right. You know, so I, I just, I base this all on the feeling I get when it happens to me. Like, yeah. it's just like a, for that moment, like you're yeah. very important for some reason to something. Maybe it's sort of like the universe saying, stop and smell the roses. Possibly. Cause you're Possibly. doing something really mundane and it's maybe it's saying, Hey, but, on the other hand, I can't understand how it's a brain thing. I just but don't. I, do I don't want to believe that. Yeah, I just don't want to believe that it's just purely a brain fart. Mm-hmm. You know. I wonder, and I don't know why I just thought of this, but I wonder, like people who can see auras. To me, that's something in your brain that's doing that. Yeah. But I also think it's something sort of mystical. Like not everybody can do that. Yeah. So I feel like the two are kind of connected, but I feel like there has to be something going on in your brain that's allowing you to see that. Yeah. I don't know. I guess that's how I kind of look at deja vu. If you don't, if you don't want to think about it just being scientific, I do think that there can be a connection between that and something more yeah, I just, mysterious. I, ca- I can't just think that it's a scientific thing. Hmm. I think there's some bigger meaning to it. I just don't know what that is. Yeah. But I like. The I wish it would happen more theory. often. Like I kind of want it to happen to me so I can notice it in the moment. Yeah, but it's, it's, been it's such like a it's, long it's, time. it's one of those things where I'm living in that moment, and it's like a good feeling. Like it's like it's significant. It is, yeah, yeah I it's like say a significant. It's a bad feeling. No, but I wish it happened to me more often too. But it used to happen to me a lot more. Yeah. So I don't know. I I'm gonna go with parallel universe or simulation simulation theory. theory. I like the combination of science and parallel universe. Yeah, I'll go with that too because I can understand that. But science is getting close to proving and explaining parallel universes. Yeah. So that's interesting too. That's still a frightening theory. It is. You know, like I like the idea and I've been thinking about this. I thought about this with hitting my head on that rock almost. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that... If you die, that, you step into a parallel yeah, universe that, that and you just keep that going. Because we talked about that way back when we did the the episode about parallel universe about reality that the bible says everybody i think it was the bible something that bible said something like everybody will have a a good long life Hmm. and i think everybody does just not necessarily in the universe they start in right you You know like in a multitude of universes i killed myself hitting my head on that rock right so now i am just in this one Mm-hmm. You know, which is a really interesting thought. And every time you die in a universe, the number you, of universes yeah, shrinks. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. So that's kind of a weird thought, but it is. I I also like it though. I do too. That you go on. I'm. I'm it ex- parallel universes explain so much. Too. It does, it's such but an it's it's topic. like it's like simulation theory where it's an easy go to. You know. Yeah. I don't like simulation theory. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay with parallel universes? Yeah, I, I prefer parallel okay. universes. But I, I, my final opinion is that I think, I, I like the idea that it's a combination of science and paranormal. Mm-hmm. We'll go with that. Cool. Cool. Very good. Thanks. Like, I've, I'm fascinated by deja vu. I really am. I just wish it would happen more often. Mm-hmm. Maybe it will now that you're asking for it it might be it You're might. telling the universe that's that's how synchronicities work you notice totally. them and then you start getting them again so i'll have to see if i get any deja vu experiences between now and the next episode yeah we had so many people with synchronicities lately which is just awesome yeah it's so it, cool to hear well and i feel like that's like this thing that whoop jim's home that's <laughs> it's that i can hear him walking yeah, around actually i hope that's him yeah <laughs> 
Lucy's not freaking out. Although she'd welcome anyone into her house. Yeah. Um, I love that synchronicities is this thing that we all feel connected about yeah. on the strangers yeah. page. Like everybody is loving. And I to love share that people that listen to the episode started experiencing yes. them. Yeah. You know. I agree. So cool. I also want to say, and this is just a shout out to our strangers. I think we had a newer stranger share some synchronicities yeah. and it was sad. It was a sad yeah. story. Yeah. And I was so touched and amazed by the comments that our strangers We just left. have a oh good, we have a perfect group of people. They were just so supportive and yeah. sweet and amazing. Yeah, I'm constantly yeah. floored by how awesome the strangers I are. I am too. It's just amazing. And I, we were talking about it that we think that people... That we're all together because we're meant to be. I think so. You know, I don't remember. Was it Jeremy that talked about that? And like Stephen King in his Dark Tower books, there's a thing called Cotet. Yep. That there's a group of people that are like different people that have a common yep. um, destiny. Yep. Which Cotet. I think is cool. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Side note, Paranormal Palaver. I came up with that name because Palaver yes. is a word. Yeah, that like Stephen in the King first uses. book where yeah. we're rolling and uh, the Man in Black mm-hmm. have their Palaver. Awesome! I didn't know that's where you got it from. <laughs> cool. Well, Just my about an hour, so my, this is actually lasted longer than I thought it was. <laughs> Mine are usually much shorter. So my story that I chose to do is on the Toy and Bee tiles. Kristen knows nothing about I know this. Nothing about it. Ah. Uh, Shocking. The whole Toy and Bee Tiles mystery is a super fascinating one to me, and it's one that I have been into since the mid-90s. So mm. it's been a long time. And now it's gotten to the point where it's like a nostalgic thing for me. Okay. Because we'll, we'll get into it, <laughs> why they're kind of not, they're disappearing. But it's just one of these, it's it's a mystery. It's not really even a mystery anymore because people kind of know who did yeah, it. Tristan yeah, Tristan on yeah. Instagram said he thinks it's actually been But this is one solved. of those mysteries that I followed for so long. It's very personal to me. And okay. seeing a legit old school toy and bee tile is on my bucket list, mm. but I don't think it's going to happen because those are disappearing. And I was, See, I was trying to even find out if there's any old ones left and I can't really find out. So these are things you can go out and yes. find. Okay. Yep. Anyway, nobody is really sure when the first toy and bee tile appeared. It's believed to have been sometime in the mid 1980s. It's also believed that the first tile most likely showed up around Philadelphia because that seems to be where the highest concentration of the tiles have been found. So now we're going to get into it. So sometime in the 80s, the strange linoleum tile showed up embedded into the asphalt of busy streets in different cities. Hmm. The tiles are usually about the size of a license plate, sometimes smaller, and they have a very distinct mosaic pattern. Although some tiles, especially newer ones, have variations on the theme, the original tiles were colorful and contained the words, quote, Toy and Bee Idea, in movie 2001, Resurrect Dead on Planet Jupiter. Okay. Uh, it probably didn't garner we're a lot of... We're talking about the Space Odyssey movie? Yeah. Okay. It probably didn't garner a lot of attention at the time. This tile stuck into a random street somewhere. But as time went on, more and more Toy and Bee tiles began to be discovered. Sometimes they said things a little differently, but they all basically had the same idea about resurrecting the dead on planet Jupiter. Hmm. According to Wikipedia, quote, In the United States, the original tiles have originally been sighted as far west as Kansas City, Missouri, as far north as Boston, and as far south as Richmond, Virginia. 
Since 2002, very few new tiles considered to be the work of the original artist have appeared outside of the immediate Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area, although one notable sighting appeared in suburban Connecticut in 2006 and one appeared in Edison, New Jersey in 2007. Presumed copycat tiles have been spotted in Noblesville, Indiana, Buffalo, New York, San Francisco, California, Portland, Oregon, and Roswell, New Mexico. Additional tiles were spotted in downtown Tulsa, Oklahoma in 2013 and in Detroit, Michigan in 1997. Most of the older tiles considered to be the work of the original tiler have been eroded by traffic. But as of 2011, older original tiles remain in Pittsburgh, St. Louis, Cincinnati, Cleveland, and South America, among other locations. Road trip. Yeah, definitely. I would love, love, love to see one of these. Their first mention in any media is believed to have been in 1994 in the newspaper The Baltimore Sun. People began to become aware of these strange tiles, and between 2002 and 2009, there was a huge explosion of new tiles showing up around the world that seemed to be based on the original tiles. And a group called House of Hades has been placing their own Toy and Bee tiles around the country. A lot of the newer tiles have some pretty bad things to say about the media, including the phrase, murder every journalist, I beg you. Those are the House of Hades tiles. Those are not the original Toy and Bee tiles. That's annoying. Yeah, it, it, it is. It's, it's, I was annoyed when I read that. Yeah. Just the fact that someone's stealing the idea and, yeah, I don't know, yeah. turning it into something negative. So what the heck is this all about? There are a lot of mysteries about these things. Mystery number one, how are they made? This is, this is known now. Uh, these things are, if you look at that picture mm-hmm. that I sent you, these things are, look at it. Um, it had to be so time consuming making these because if you look at the picture, I'll wait till you're looking at it. Okay. <laughs> Here's a picture of a train that you're waiting for. <laughs> that was me this morning. <laughs> I'm like, ugh. Come on. Oh, yeah. So. Are those all cut out? So oh. the orig- it's on a linoleum tile. But whoever the tiler was went in and cut out the silhouette of individual letters. Yeah. And then from another colored tile, he cut those letters out and put them into the original tile, which had to be crazy time consuming. You know, Do you know what, what it says down here? No. Some of them say different things. Okay. Like different little things about it. Yeah. This looks really... Intricate. And yeah, time consuming. Yeah. So one of the first mysteries people believe they solved was how these tiles were being placed because all of a sudden the tiles would just show up on the road. Hmm. One day there wouldn't be anything there. The next day they would show up embedded in the road. Okay. According to a 2005 article on Damn Interesting called, quote, The Mysterious Toy and Bee Tiles, the article says, quote, One Toy and Bee Tile enthusiast has claimed that a freshly laid tile was once found and examined, saying, quote, The highlight of my search for answers to this mystery occurred one Sunday night of this previous winter. I had gone to my local convenience store for a snack around 4 o'clock a.m. No, 4 o'clock a.m. Noticing nothing unusual. On my way home, I noticed something unusual in the street, however. Upon closer inspection, I discovered it to be a Toynbee Idea tile, freshly placed and only minutes old. Of course, I was beside myself with excitement and I could now see exactly how and of what materials these tiles are made. This tile, by the way, is located on 13th and Arch Street in Philadelphia. The tiles are just that, tiles, although not the standard vinyl floor tiles as I had suspected. The letters are cut out of a material with, with, I assume, a higher rubber content than the standard floor tile. 
The inlay letters seem to be made from a less malleable, malleable, malleable substance, and in this case were red and yellow. The tile is secured to the street by intricately folded and layered tar paper glued together. A layer of raw tar seemed to lie beneath the whole tile, anchoring it. So that's kind of how they're made. Okay. The weight of cars as they run over the tile forces the layers of tar paper to impregnate the spaces in the cracks of the letters. And according to a 2017 article on the Atlas Obscura website called, quote, The Tantalizing Mystery of the Toynbee Tiles, the article says, quote, The tiles are believed to be laid in the summer months. After the design is created, it is believed that the tiles are wrapped in tar paper, a material commonly used during roofing installations. The bottom of the tile is coated with asphalt sealant. The weight of car tires and foot traffic combined with the summer heat helped to gradually fuse the tile into the street, and over time the tar paper on top of the tile gradually erodes, revealing the messages and images carved by the unknown artist. I feel like it would be impossible to do during the winter. Yeah, it would be. No one is certain about the length of time it takes for a tile to fully adhere to the asphalt, given that there's no telling exactly when one has been put down. But given the materials used, it is assumed that the installation can take two weeks to a month to complete. Hmm. So fans and followers believe that the typical tiles are created by one person and that they are being laid by being dropped out of the hole in the floorboard of a car. This could explain the puzzling placement of some tiles and could be the reason no one has ever laid eyes on the tiler. So they're not actually and the cutting thing, a hole in the road. No, to put the thing it. is, they're though, that this top. would not, I don't think this would work on pavement. I think it has to be on asphalt hmm. because asphalt softens up in summer in when it's in the sun. Yeah. So it's believed that's how these are being made. For a long time, people didn't know how these tiles were just showing up embedded in streets, and it's actually kind of brilliant. With the tile being wrapped in tar paper, the writing on the tile won't appear until the tile is already embedded in the pavement and the top tar paper wears off. It looks like it just magically appears. Hmm. Tiles on quieter streets are probably placed there in the middle of the night, but on busier streets, it's believed they are being dropped through the floorboards of a car. So, because if you see some of the pictures of them, some of them are like cockeyed in the street. They're not like, they're like crooked in the street. So it just makes sense that this tiler makes a bunch of these, drives around and just drops them through the floorboard onto the road where cars just continue to drive over them and the pressure and the heat just embeds them down into the asphalt then the tar paper on the top finally wears off and you get to see the message so i think it's like a really brilliant yeah idea a way of doing that somebody really thought this out yeah yeah mystery number two what do they mean and what they mean seems to be a weird mishmash of a couple different things the first line, Toynbee idea, seems to refer to Arnold Toynbee. Toynbee was a British historian and philosopher. He wrote a lot of essays about the philosophy of culture and history, and he was a devout Christian. In his autobiography titled Experiences, Toynbee has one passage where he argues that the idea of bringing dead molecules back to life is scientifically possible, and that because Christ did it after his death, the resurrection of dead matter is religiously valid as well as scientifically valid. Hmm. This passage is believed to be where the Toynbee references come from. But as you see in a bit, there's other possibilities. The reference in the rest of the passage in movie 2001, Resurrected Dead on Planet Jupiter, 
is also pretty much known where that comes from because some of the early tiles changed that line to in Kubrick's 2001, which obviously references Stanley Kubrick's film 2001, A Space Odyssey. Have you ever seen that? Mm -hmm. We had to watch it in school. We read the book and had to watch it. The film is about a mission to Jupiter, and it ends up with this really bizarre scene where the surviving astronaut gets to Jupiter and ends up getting reborn as a fetus in space. I mean, the whole last, like... 15 minutes of that movie it's like a drug trip it's like what it's a it's weird Stanley Kubrick movie. yeah yeah <laughs> so people think maybe that's why there's a reference to that movie hmm. another possible reference for the passage is from a 1984 story by Ray Bradbury called quote the Toynbee Convector it's about a time traveler who claims to go 100 years into the future and then comes back to tell the current time about how they managed to turn their society into a perfect utopia in the future So the society works to turn their society into the perfect utopia they heard about, and it's eventually revealed that the time traveler lied. Mm. So it's about how a society has unlimited potential to create what they believe. Sure. And also there's a 1953 short story by Arthur C. Clarke called Jupiter 5. It's about a spaceship called the Arnold Toynbee that discovers that one of the moons of Jupiter is actually a spacecraft for reptilians. But even with all these, even with all these different possible references, it's pretty much a given that the passage simply refers to somehow bringing all dead humans back to life on the planet Jupiter. Why Jupiter? My guess is because it's big. Okay. You know, and I—that's my guess—is because. But I don't even think Jupiter has like a ground. I think isn't it just all like just gas? Isn't it just like? I don't know. You know I, in my mind, I'm thinking. But is in it my even head, habitable? that's what this person thought: is that sure. if you wanted to bring everybody back that's ever existed, they would only fit need on a big Jupiter. Spot. Yeah, right. And well, we don't have room here anymore. No, but it's just uh, uh, like people would see this and be like, "What? Resurrect dead on yeah. planet Jupiter?" That's you my know, first but thought. people believe that's where the Toynbee thing comes from. Is Arnold Toynbee's autobiography where he says he believes that dead molecules can be brought back to life? Okay. And mystery number three, who made them? Uh, there's a couple possible candidates. Number one is someone named Julius Railroad Joe Paroli. One of the South American tiles was in Santiago, Chile. This tile appeared to have been done by the original tiler, and for some reason this tile contained a house address for a home in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. The people who live at that house now are not receptive to questions about the tiles, but Railroad Joe used to live at that address in the 1970s and 1980s, and it's been said that he was kind of a strange recluse, and one of his hobbies was tile making. Mm. Joe also worked for Conrail, and his job on the train would have taken him to most of the locations that the tiles have been found at. Joe always denied having anything to do with the Toynbee tiles, and he said he had no idea why his address was on the tile. Doesn't mean he didn't yeah. do it. Yeah. Seems like a good candidate. Uh, candidate number two, famous playwright David Mamet. In 1983, Mamet wrote a small one act play called Four O'Clock AM. The play is about a Larry King like radio host who gets a late night call from a listener who wants to get his idea out about reviving all the dead people using some of the ideas from the movie 2001 and the writings of Arnold Toynbee and putting them on Jupiter. I mean, this is basically the Toynbee tiles. Right. Mamet has always said that this scenario was something that he 100% made up. Some people thought maybe the tiles were his way of promoting the play, but that kind of doesn't make sense because it wasn't like Hamilton. It wasn't like a big play. It was like a one-act play that he wrote. I mean, it's nothing that you're going to advertise by doing this. 
Well, what an odd way to... to exactly. I mean, I've never even heard of these Exactly. Things, so. Toy and B. Tile researchers believe that the actual Tyler did call into Larry King a few times in early 1983, and they believe Mamet heard these and unconsciously used them in this play and doesn't remember it. Mm. That sounds feasible to me. I think sounds he like has absolutely vu. nothing to... It sounds like deja vu. <laughs> I think he's got nothing to do mm. with it. I really... Okay. I don't... No, it seems unlikely. So candidate number number three, and you see this on a lot of websites when you research it, is someone named James Morasco. According to a 2017 article on the Theories of Atlantis website called, quote, The Toynbee Mystery, the article says, quote, At the same time that people began to discover the mysterious tiles, they realized that a man identifying himself as a social worker named James Morasco started contacting talk shows and newspapers in 1983 with his theory of colonizing Jupiter with the dead inhabitants of Earth, claiming to have come across this idea while reading a book by historian Arnold Toynbee. This strange character even called into the Larry King show promoting these same ideas in a conversation with the Philadelphia Inquirer. Morasco discussed how Toynbee's book contained a theory about bringing dead molecules back to life and that this was later depicted in the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. The caller claimed to have founded what the Inquirer called a, quote, Jupiter colonization organization known as the Minority Association. Strange stuff indeed. In 2003, Kansas City Star editor Doug Wargle, who had become interested in the story, called the only James Morasco in the Philadelphia telephone book and was told by the man's wife that her husband died in March of that year at the age of 88. When asked about the tiles, Morasco's widow said that her husband didn't know anything about it and had no interest whatsoever in Jupiter. He would have also been in his 70s when most of the tiles were laid, so he was kind of discounted. But if you're only dropping them out of your, your car... But it was later determined by researchers that the name James Morasco was most likely an alias. Mm. And candidate number four, this is the guy. Candidate number four, apparently the person who lived at the address after Railroad Joe was a man named Severino Sevi Verna. And he is one of the leading candidates for being the Tyler. According to a 2012 article in the Temple News, a newspaper for Temple University, quote, Severino Sevi Verna was so obsessed and afraid of death that as a kid he would take dead pigeons, cover them in cement, and put them in a bucket. It is believed he did this in the hopes of preserving or perhaps resurrecting the birds. This might have stemmed from his parents owning a funeral home, but it was an obsession that he carried throughout his entire life with him. Verna is the supposed artist behind a series of mysterious cryptic tiles appearing as early as the 1980s, originally in Philadelphia, then along the East Coast, and as far as South America, that reads, quote, Toynbee idea in Kubrick's 2001, resurrect dead on planet Jupiter. I think that they began because Verna had this idea that came to him in the library that seemed like he had found this way to beat death, Toynbee tiled documentarian Colin Smith said that humanity needs to figure out a way to beat death, and Verna figured out that way. Smith said Verna would desperately try to contact the media to share his idea, and they would laugh at him, leaving him embarrassed and bitter. He had to find a way to bring his message to the public, and the tiles were the only way he knew how. The proof of his hatred and resentment toward the media lies in various subtexts of the tiles that read such cryptic messages, such as, Murder every journalist, I beg you. Verna also was known to have a car that was missing parts of the floorboard, which is how it is believed that some of the tiles were placed in the road. So, the, is, I, okay. I'm confused about how he relates to the first guy. 
Right. That's what I'm confused about. Are they about. saying that he's potentially the fir- one who did the original tiles? That or they that believe he's the one who does Verna this? is the one that did the original tiles. But this person is tying in the murder every journalist, yeah. I beg you, which I don't think is the Toynbee to- Tyler. Okay. I think that's the, the House of Hades. Okay. A Wednesday, August 2nd, 2017 post on Queen City Discovery website called, quote, Toynbee Tiles and the House of Hades says, quote, Throughout the course of the documentary, the filmmakers are able to find evidence that links them to a reclusive citizen of Philadelphia. They come to find several prototype tiles in the streets near his home. They also uncover accounts that he may have once been the person behind a series of shortwave radio broadcasts which preached ideas similar to those found in the tiles. In fact, they find his Philadelphia address directly referenced in a tile that existed in Chile. There's also evidence that indicates this figure may have had help from a neighbor who worked for Conrail, a company whose freight tracks served all of the cities where the tiles appeared. There's even a connection between the company and a shipment to South America, which may have aided the appearance of the tiles there. Mm. So the most popular theory among tileists is that Sevi Verna is the tiler. Mm. And they think somehow it got mixed up with this railroad Joe that right. people think he lived at that address. But he was a neighbor? People think he might have been a neighbor and that the two of them together were in cahoots. Were in cahoots. That's, okay. That that Sevi was the one making the tiles and dropping them in town and that Railroad Joe would take the tiles when he was traveling on Conrail in order to put these tiles in other cities. Okay. That helps kind of um, disguise who it is. Yeah, exactly. You know? But But my personal opinion is that it was the two of them. That, mm. That's my personal opinion. It makes sense. Then the tiles from the House of Hades started popping up in 2011, springing up in the area of Buffalo, New York, which is where Brian, Brian Young lives. Yep. But, you know, I'm not, not connecting any dots there. But <laughs> uh, these tiles said things like House of Hades, Colossus of Rhodes, Gotham Exile in Surrealville 2011, or House of Hades, Who Will Pay for All They Have Done in Society 2011, or House of Hades, One Man versus American Media in Society, 2011. The messages are very different. Yeah, they are. They're but, more like a But commentary. I can understand if uh, Savvy was upset that the media discounted his ideas of resurrecting. He got angry about He got it. angry about the media. And that's why it's weird that these are kind of reflecting that anger at the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Could be. According to that article I referenced earlier, quote, Justin Dewar says that he's met the person behind House of Hades, stating that he wasn't a copycat, rather that it was his own thing using the same technique. That's a copycat, I think. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's using the exact same tile that Toynbee was using. So they just borrowed that idea instead right. of doing their own. Yeah. Unlike the Toynbee tiles, the text of the Hades tiles will often change, but most seem to discuss a conflict with institutional media. Oftentimes they're aimed at accusing the media of having a destructive agenda or warning the reader that the media and its iron fist will be destroyed. In some cases, the text will read that the tiles are made from, quote, the ground bones of dead journalists. Occasionally, they'll make reference to, quote, the resurrection of Toynbee's idea in society. The anti-media, anti-establishment dialogue of House of Hades seems reminiscent of the Dada art movement of the early 20th century, and the use of tiles placed throughout several locations evokes the culture of moniker art. 
Both the tiles and monikers are often right in our midst, but are easily overlooked when passing by. The art and message are therefore available to those willing to look further, willing to listen to someone that wants to be heard. Hmm. Dadaism is weird. Dadaism was like an art movement, but it was it wasn't strictly art, like paintings. It was it was other media, like surreal. It was whatever. like. Yeah. It, uh, Dadaism is an early 20th century art movement made up of artists who rejected the logic, reason, and aestheticism of modern capitalistic society, instead expressing nonsense, irrationality, and the anti-bourgeoisie protest in their works. This feels like an artist thing that's, to me. That's exactly what people like yeah. Banksy, like Banksy does street art. And making statements through yeah, that art. And I, that's kind of what people say this was, what this was like an early version of street art, yeah. although the person doing this Literally. didn't do it as <laughs> as art. I think he did it to get his message out, but it became art. The, pro- the reason that a lot both, of these though. tiles aren't visible anymore is because people are going and prying them out of the street Aww. to keep them. Jerks. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for robbing the rest of us. Most of the original Toy and Bee tiles are gone, whether it's from the road being repaved or natural wear and tear or people prying the tiles out of the ground to keep them. Filmmaker John Foy, Philadelphia-based artist Justin Dewar, photographer Steve Wynick, and musician Colin Smith made a documentary called, quote, Resurrect Dead, The Mystery of the Toy and Bee Tiles. A couple of the strangers has mentioned have mentioned it. It's I haven't watched it. It's really good, and I I hate saying this because I want them to get paid for it, but it's on YouTube. You can watch the whole documentary mm-hmm. on YouTube. It's like an hour and a half long. Okay. And a lot of people said it's really good. Uh, it's there to watch. So if you're interested in the Toy and Bee tiles, I'm not going to like spoil how it ends, but I thought the ending was kind of cool. But it's, I'm going to watch it at some point. I just haven't had a chance yet. Finally, I want to... So, I mean, basically, people are convinced it was that savvy that was doing it okay. i mean he's the most likely likely candidate and i think that he was doing it with that railroad joe that the two of them were responsible for but i just think the idea of how they did this was brilliant yeah i'm like so impressed with that all of a sudden it's this tile clever. yeah all of a sudden this tile would show up embedded in the road it's like invisible ink almost but like i said i don't think you could do it on pavement i think it has to be on asphalt because pavement won't get hot enough in order to sink something mm-hmm. down into it So finally, I want to end with this, taken from a 2015 article on WHYY's website called, quote, Philly's Toy and Bee tiles are slowly dying out. Will the street department be able to resurrect a few? The article's about how there was a serious effort made by the Philadelphia Street Company to say, or the street repair, you know, Mm -hmm. group to save some of these tiles when work was being done on the roads. The article says, quote, Even if the street department can manage to save a few toy and bee tiles, should they? Isn't part of what makes street art special is its ephemerality? Ephemerality. Ephemerality. That means it's... it's, Impermanence? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or that its fleeting nature stems from street art's implicit disinterest in societal approval. The toy and bee project especially was an attempt by the tiler to get his insane message out without government censoring or media mockery. If art is a communicative act meant to convey meaning and sense to others, then perhaps the tile should be preserved. If you consider this message or the reading of what the tile said in the context of the times worth another look. Can street art ever still say what it's meant to say when it's removed from the verbiage of the street? Or does it become a word suddenly without a sentence, a limpid noun suddenly cast off from the concrete context upon which it was predicated? Toy and bee tiles are going the way of the passenger pigeon. 
It's up to the street department, a department that regularly deals with 19th century infrastructure to do some 19th century conservation so later generations might appreciate this quirk. A time before the internet, a time when a Philadelphian could argue that planting tiles in the street was a more effective way of getting a message out than any other medium. Then again, it's 2015, decades since the first tile was laid, and you're here now, still reading about Toy and B's idea. Maybe the tiler was onto something. Maybe I'll see you on Jupiter. <laughs> so yeah, that's Toy and B tiles. Mm. That's there's just the documentary is really good, and there's just not a lot more to really go on because back in the 90s and early 2000s, people were kind of obsessed with who is doing this and what does it mean. And mm-hmm. now we kind of know. Like I'm, I'm hundred percent convinced, and and the documentary does a really good job of of saying that Savvy is the one that was doing this. Why do you think he wouldn't eventually admit to it, though? Because he's like a recluse. He's okay. like a weird recluse. Uh, yeah. I'll just spoil the end of the documentary because <laughs> just in case. <laughs> Spoiler alert! But at the end of the documentary, the, the the people, the guy doing the documentary is like desperate to meet him, and he knows he's going to be on this bus, so he gets on the bus. And at the last minute, he decides not to pursue it. Oh, let him have his remain anonymous. Yeah, I'm, like he he decides to let him just because he wants to be anonymous. He decides. Yeah, you know he's on this bus. That. He knows he's on this bus, and he just drops it. Wow, I love that actually. I do too. That's why I said I kind of didn't want to spoil it because it's but, not typical. Yeah, you know, yeah. Not that this person's a reporter, but they, but a they make a really good case about why Savvy was the one doing it, and it all makes sense. Okay. You know, and. I don't, I just... I have to watch it because I want to see more Yeah, I'm just fascinated by this because of, like I said, the cleverness of how to do this. And I love the idea that it's one man pre-internet trying to get his message out to the world. Mm -hmm. You know, now you'd go scream about it on Twitter. (laughs) You know, but... Or make a, what are they called, reels or something? The new thing that everybody's doing? TikTok? Now there's this reels thing too. I don't, <laughs> don't know. know. I don't know what anything is. I don't, I don't know. TikTok put it either. on MySpace. You put it on your MySpace. <laughs> but I just I don't know the. I'm I'm really tied in with this mystery. Like, I used to be fascinated You're by it, and now in it. yeah, now it's just like a quaint memory of times gone by. Mm-hmm. I guess, and I think that's what the tiles kind of are too. Mm. But yeah, it's that's cool. It is. It's it's really cool. And like I said, it's not really a mystery anymore because I think it's still kind of it still is, kind though. of is, but but they're still if I kinda you want it to stay yeah, a mystery. I don't know if they're still there, but there used to be websites where people would post pictures mm-hmm. and it was like a catalog of where all these tiles were around mm-hmm. the country. So I just think it's fascinating. Yeah. It's so really cool. I, I I have always loved the Toy and B tiles and if you're interested in it at all, check out the documentary. I would love it if we had a listener who lives in a city where the, where yeah. one is located. I'd yeah. love to see yeah. a picture. Yeah, some of our strangers probably have even seen them in mm-hmm. their city. You know, like I said, it's always been on my bucket list to like touch an actual one, but I've seen like pictures from like 2000. A lot of the stuff ends around 2015. Mm. But I've seen pictures like in 2015 of the old ones and they're just, you can't even recognize them anymore because they're so beat up and just, you can see a couple glimpses of like yellow and red. Right. But I just have always wanted to see a legitimate, you know, it's kind of like my dream of actually holding the bet sphere. Like Mm, I want to hold the bet sphere. Yeah. I also want to touch an actual toy and be tile. But then these House of Hades ones came in and, you know. They're frauds. It feels like a fraud. It feels me. like a fraud because they're yeah. saying they're not copycats. They're using the guy's medium to get their own message out. But I just right. don't like it. I don't like no, it. No, I don't like it either. 
So yeah, that is the Toy and Bee Tiles. Love it. Yep. I thought that was very suitable for a mini mystery. Totally. Okay. We would like to read an email, a really sweet email we got from a listener. So Chris, Chris and I were texting each other right when we got this. We were like, oh, did you see that email? It's mm-hmm. so sweet. So this email from the awesome Michelle Brown. Hi, Michelle. It says, Kurt and Krista, I just wanted to send out a big thank you to both of you for your podcast. I discovered your podcast searching for missing 411 stories and downloaded all of your episodes on the subject prior to my first trip during COVID in May. I was terrified to fly and the airport was a literal ghost town. Everything at the airport was closed, just a handful of people. It was very depressing and quite scary. I traveled for work and really didn't have a choice except to travel as needed. In fact, my first trip was from Phoenix to Salt Lake City, where I always go to Gordon Biersch at the airport for dinner. I was the only person in the entire restaurant and started crying when the bartender asked how my day was going. (laughs) I feel so bad for her. It was rough. Traveling for work is stressful. Especially during COVID and when there's nobody else and it just feels like a ghost town. Mm So as I was terrified hiding in a corner waiting for my flight, I was listening to you both talking about your taste tests and interesting stories of missing 411. During all subsequent flights, you were like my friends talking into my ears and giving me some normalcy. So thank you. Interestingly, a few weeks ago, I flew into Spokane, Washington to travel to Coeur d'Alene, Coeur d'Alene, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. As soon as I crossed into Idaho, the GPS in the car said, Welcome to Idaho, right at the same time Kurt announced that the story that week was about Idaho. Nice. Synchronicity? I think so. Yes. Thank you again. You did help me through many hours of travel, terror, and sadness. I still feel so sorry for all the people who are still out of work because their jobs have not yet come back to airports. Kurt, congratulations on your new job. So I we emailed her and said, Is it okay if we read your email? Because sometimes people might not want that. Yeah. So she wrote back and said... You can absolutely read my email on your podcast. I've wanted to reach out for so long, and in one of your recent podcasts, you said that you hoped that you were able to help someone in some way. You really helped me so much. I honestly feel like we are friends, even though you have no idea who I am. Thank you. Please keep doing what you do, because it really does mean so much to so many people who may be anonymous. You will never really know how much your voice gave me strength and still does. That's so sweet. It is sweet. So, and it says, thank you, Michelle Brown. So thank you so much, Michelle. We are friends. We are friends. I mean, all of our, all of our listeners are, are friends of ours. Right. Whether you're on the Facebook page or not, you're still part of our strange family. But but like you said at the beginning of the podcast, this is something that we don't think about a lot is that. It's not just entertainment. You know, you and I are just sitting here talking to ourselves and (laughs) we just don't think about the fact that we are maybe helping some people get through their day. Right. So. That's amazing. something we have to take seriously See, Kurt, we do have a purpose we do have a purpose so now i'm glad i didn't die on that rock <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> so michelle thank you so yeah, much for the sweet you. email and she she messaged we were messaging during the week and she said she has one last episode unlistened to that she has to listen to and then she's going to be done and then she made a sad face Aww. so i know well she'll have another one tomorrow she will and then another one two weeks and then probably not one for a and, little while yep <laughs> so she said she's going to go back and re-listen to the old ones. Wow. So thank you so much, Michelle. That email yeah, that means seriously so much. made our week. Yeah. Saying, I'm glad we're your traveling companions. Yeah. Uh, questions from listeners. I'll do two of them. Okay. The first one from Anonymous. Recommend a book all strangers should read. So spe- something specifically paranormal? I don't know. It just says... That's tough. Hmm. 
for two people who read a yeah. lot. It's, yeah. It's, that's a, I have a book that I think everybody should read at some point in their lives, but it's not like It doesn't related. have to be. It doesn't say paranormal related. Yeah. It, well, for me, it's To Kill a Mockingbird. It's my favorite yeah. book. I know you love To Kill a I, Mockingbird. I read it every couple of years just because I think it's always going to be relevant and I think it's such a beautiful story. Um, but yeah, to me, that's the one book. If anybody ever says, if I'm going to read one book in my lifetime, I say it's To Kill a Mockingbird. I'm going to go with The Stand by Stephen King. Mm. The yeah. complete and uncut edition, which is thousands of pages of reading. But it's just... Yeah, it, even the uncut one, or the, the cut The cut one, one is, is like, like, yeah, it's like huge. Thick. It's like a But it's just stopper. such a good book. And right now it's very topical mm -hmm. because it's about how a virus wipes out like 99% of the population. Mm -hmm. And then the remaining people like divide into a good group and a bad group. And it's just such a good book. And they're they're... I think the CBS All Access has a new miniseries coming out based on really? it. Really? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I hope it's going to be better than some of the other made for TV. The, they're made the the stand the old stand uh, the old version of the stand made for TV was actually that pretty wasn't bad. good. Yeah, that yeah. wasn't bad. No, that one was actually pretty good. We won't talk about the Langoliers. No, we will not. <laughs> we will not so talk about the terrible. Langoliers. Uh, uh, one of my yeah, the face stand wasn't bad. I remember, I still remember some of the actors that were in that. Wasn't the girl who ended up um, doing some of the Saw movies? Wasn't she in the stand? Yeah, okay, yeah. that's what I uh, She ended up being like the killer in in some in of the movies. Saw movies, right? But it was just a really good. It was a really good, you know, and it still has one of the best opening scenes of anything that I've seen, where uh, the, the the virus started at this army base. Mm. So at the beginning, the, the camera is panning through this base, showing all of the dead people in the base while uh, Don't Fear the Reaper by Blue mm. Oyster Cult is playing. And it's just such a good scene. So yeah, my, my choice is The Stand. Nice. So next question. Okay. If either of you could live and have been raised in another country completely immersed in its culture and customs, what Ooh, country would it be? Greece. Really? Oh, yeah. I feel like I was Greek and actually I am very, I am a small percent Greek. I didn't know this. I found this out, but I feel like I was Greek in another life or something. I just love everything about Greece. I love the food. I love the culture. I love the way of life. I think it's stunning. It's my bucket list. I want to go been, Yeah. You've never been to Greece. No, but I would, I would love, that's where I want to go. That's my ultimate Maybe with vacation. our Patreon. When we start our Patreon, <laughs> yeah. you go to Greece. I could afford a flight to get a quarter of the way there. Maybe. <laughs> You could maybe rent the movie Grease. Yeah. So that'll be enough. <laughs> That's same. not quite the same, but no, no. Uh, mine would be England. I love, yeah. love, and love you've been England. There and I've been but I twice? Once. Once. But okay. I would have like I want to get out of London because when Jim and I mm -hmm. went, we only spent time in London. Yeah. But London was so amazing. It was so actually going and having a pint of beer in a pub was just like yeah. amazing. And hearing the accents. You know, falling in love with every girl that I heard that had a, a <laughs> British accent. Yeah. You know, like I love and I wanted to get out. I wanted to visit the um, Bronte Parsonage and Museum because I love the Bronte sisters. They're some of my favorite authors. And I want to get out and see more of the country. Yeah, the countryside you know? so just in general. I do want to get back there, but the older I get, the less I think that's going to happen. So, but I, at least I got to London. Yeah. So that's amazing. Yeah. So that's, so I would, I would, mine is without a doubt England. Sweet. I love England. So cool. Very good questions. Uh, are we doing songs or no? <laughs> we both just realized we forgot to even think about a song. I don't know. I can't, like nothing is coming to mind. 
So I don't know. Should we skip it this time, or are you going to look at your phone and come up? I'm with just going to do one that I listened to on the way here. Okay, you go first then. This one is going to piss people off because it's a remake of a song that is apparently very, very loved and beloved. Beloved, and people are going to hate it. Okay. But it is by the group We Are the In Crowd. Okay. And That's the remake? No. That they're That's the ones the doing the remake. We are the in crowd. Okay. I it, We Are the In Crowd is one of my guilty pleasure bands. Okay. I love, love, love We Are the In Crowd. Uh it's it's it has both a guy singer and a girl singer. Uh the girl singer is uh the girl singer is Taylor Jardine and uh surprise, surprise, big crush on her. She is like, she's one of my big singing <laughs> crushes. I love Taylor Jardine. That's great. Okay. But the song that they do a remake of is a song by the band Brand New called Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades. And that apparently is a no-no to remake Brand New, any song by Brand New, because people that love the song, the band Brand New. Which I've never heard of. Are, are like super like do Hardcore. not touch them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the thing is, if you go to the YouTube video for their version of Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades, a lot of people like in the comments are like, I came here to completely bash this, but it's actually a pretty good version. Okay. And it, it is. It's very faithful to the original. The original one's a little more screamy. Okay. And some people complained about that. They're like, no, the dude does not scream like they do in the original song. Hmm. But I just, this, this was the first version of the song I heard. I didn't know it was a remake of a song uh, by Brand New. And then I went and watched the Brand New one, and it's good. But I just, I, I love this song. And it's a weird, once you listen to the lyrics and stuff, the song is about a guy who is with a girl. And the girl is kind of, not forcing him, but very pressuring him for sex. And okay. he doesn't want it. Oh. So it's like a kind of, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of a reversal, <laughs> Yeah. but I just love, love, love that song. Okay. So that is my song, Sick Transit Gloria, Glory Fades. Okay. I've never heard of it. I've had never, I usually have never heard of the song that you're recommending. Like anytime I make like a mix something for my car to listen to, that's always on there because I, I love the, I love like the transposition of the guy's voice and the girl's voice. Mm-hmm. Like they trade off lines and I really, really like it. And Taylor, I got such a crush on her. Okay, nice. <laughs> that's my song. Um, okay, so I actually did come up with mine. I love old kind of jazz singers. Like I love Billie Holiday. I love Ella Fitzgerald. I'm a huge fan of Ella Fitzgerald. I love Nina Simone. And there is this Nina Simone song called My Baby Just Cares For Me. Never heard of, course, of it. Of course, you've never heard of it. <laughs> but I saw it in a movie once. And I don't remember what the movie is, but Liv Tyler was in it and it was long long time ago but I heard this song and it's one of those things where I had to start looking for it immediately because I just loved everything about it it's heavy on the piano and it's very like I don't know it just has like this rolling beat to it that I just love and it's very jazzy and it's a really cool song. So, yeah. Sweet. My Baby Just Cares For Me by Nina Simone. So nice. we'll post. So we did okay for picking songs yeah. off the top of our head. Yeah. We'll post links on the Facebook page. Yep. Do we have anything else? I don't think so. Deets? Deets. We didn't forget the taste test, so we're good there. <laughs> yeah. Our deets. You can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. And I always get excited when my little sound goes off for the Strange Sessions email because that means somebody emailed us. If I don't beat them to it. Yeah, because then you have to text me and be like, did you see that email? <laughs> exactly. Uh, we are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. 
Krista does a fantabulous job on Instagram at The Strange Sessions. You can send us postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. And you can call our lonely little phone number out in Reedsville at 920-443-9602. If you want to send us taste test stuff, maybe wait now until... Yeah. Yeah, until after the holidays. Because I think we have enough for our yeah, final episode. Yeah, Jen, Jen messaged me and she's like, am I going to have time to send you something this week that you guys can test? And I was like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if I would have known that those chocolates were going to be that damn good, <laughs> I would have had her rush those. And I would have kept Overnight them. It. I would have kept it. them. I wouldn't have even brought them on the podcast. I would have just <gasps> ate them. Okay, I wouldn't have done didn't. that. I wouldn't have done that. I also wanted to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, have a really happy if Thanksgiving. If you are traveling to spend time with family, be safe. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, and I have no real justification for that. It's the food. It's the food. I, I, I talked about this in another episode, but we used to get together every year at my grandmother's house, mm-hmm. and it was always kind of like one of those here. things we had to do, and mm-hmm. now that she's gone, oh, right. I just really miss it. You're I miss really, walking into yeah, the kitchen the smell, and smelling the, the food and everybody and yeah. being there, and it's one of those things that I wish I could go back and tell my younger yeah. self to appreciate, appreciate it, it while yeah. you have it. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's it. So from Curtin, oh, we didn't. We'll name our studio in the new season. Yeah, we're. I love the suggestions. I do love the suggestions so too. I think yeah. it's funny because some people were like, "Oh, wait, there's already another production company with that name," and I'm like, "Guys, we're just naming my basement. Yeah, <laughs> we're not coming up with the name of a company or anything here. It could literally be anything." I did cause... laugh at the. We'll get to that studio. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, me too. That's great. So from Krista and I in Krista's lovely basement and from our candy-strewn table yeah, in front amazing. of us, until next time, stay, stay strange. strange.